Kim McNicholas on innovation. Spotlighting successful entrepreneurs, innovators, investors, and industry experts. Their stories and insights can help you become better informed, better educated, and a better investor. Your host is Emmy Award-winning anchor, reporter, and writer Kim McNicholas. Kim has been a journalist at Forbes magazine, a Fox News Channel contributor, vetted more than 3,000 startups, and has been a mentor for entrepreneurs around the globe. Now, Kim McNicholas on innovation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm really excited about this show today because I have a longtime friend and serial entrepreneur here in the San Francisco Bay Area, Silicon Valley, that I've been following for her career from the very beginning, I think well back to 2007, 2008. And I've been really impressed with her journey from an advertising uh, entrepreneur all the way up till now. She is reinventing the teddy bear. Everything you knew about the teddy bear, mm, just get ready to change your mind because she is going to blow your mind with what she's doing now and how she's reinventing the traditional teddy bear to actually... I think become more aligned with today's values, a world that is incredibly diverse. And to help our children become more, I think, accepting and embrace diversity. Please welcome Marissa Louie. She is the co-creator of Animoodles. Thank Hi. you so much, Kim, for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And sitting in front of me, I have your latest creation. And I'm really, really excited about it. It's so and you have a Kickstarter. I want to just direct people right away to the Animoodles, T-H-E, Animoodles, A-N-I-M-O-O-D-L-E-S.com, because you have a crowdfunding campaign going on so people can actually um, become more engaged right away and get a piece of the pie in a sense. That's, that's right. And you can back us right now on Kickstarter. And just so, before we get into how we met and your journey up to this point... Um, what, how would you describe Animoodles? Animoodles are really fun, magnetic mix and make plushies. So instead of being like a traditional stuffed animal, which just has one static pose, Animoodles are comprised of multiple pieces right. that you can mix and make with each other. And so there are literally hundreds of combinations that you can mix and make with these really fun plushes. And this is coming at a, at a very good time where we're trying to teach our kids that you don't have to simply accept things the way they are, that you can always create something that you want. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's really exciting. So right now we have, looks like a lion. Is that a lion? No. Yeah, there, we have a lion. Okay, a lion, and then we have Iris the unicorn. Yes. And what do we? Ha what else do we have here? So we have Randy orangutan. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes that's the orangutan. Okay. <laughs> we have Brady lion. We have Iris unicorn, Miguel frog, and Hazel sloth. And how'd you come up with the idea to actually go with these particular animals? I remember that on Facebook you were asking people what animals they would want to see. Right. How many of those animals that people were suggesting to you actually made it into your first lineup? Yeah, so we have our lineup of our first five characters. And, you know, backing, backing up a second is, you know, I always just wanted to create a really compelling line of stuffed animals. And... I 
thought, you know, just like what you said about, you know, right now is a good time to reinvent stuffed animals. Mm -hmm. I thought about what more stuffed animals can do. And I collected hundreds of stuffed animals as a kid. And I even in second grade, I gave a two minute rehearsed speech to my class because that was our homework um, on the 100 qualities to look for in the perfect stuffed animal. Oh, are you kidding? So you started your research on this really as a kid, unknowingly. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I've had stuffed animals since I was born, but I always wondered what more they could be. And um, finally came up with the idea for animoodles, which uh, look like a regular stuffed animal Mm -hmm. uh, when it sits down there or when it's crawling on all fours. It looks like a regular stuffed animal. And lo and behold, uh, the pieces all can come off. And so kids are so surprised by that. Um, but back to your question of, you know, why do we choose uh, the orangutan, the tree frog, the lion, the unicorn, and the sloth is um, for the four that are jungle creatures, you know, we wanted creatures uh, to all come from a same region okay. in this world of the animoodles. Oh, gotcha. And Iris Unicorn is from a different part of the world from a mythical island called mm-hmm. the Isle of Mythos. <laughs> and so, you know, so I worked with uh, various uh, story writers who came from Disney and Pixar previously um, to come up with a story world on um why it's 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 the four characters in the wild jungle and mm. why Iris Unicorn is from the Isle of Mythos. So the story of the Animoodles, the backstory um, of the story world is that in this land of the Animoodles, there is a, a volcano named Mount Moody. <laughs> and it's called Mount Moody because it's really temperamental. And when Mount Moody gets angry, it literally blows its top and the volcano explodes. And so this is this volcano is what created the Animoodles because of the volcano unearthed these magnetic elements from the center oh, of this planet. And it created this magnetic force in all the Animoodles. And so they, okay, so how did that... So, I should let you continue. I have so many questions. (laughs) Yeah. And I bet you're going to explain them. (laughs) I will. Uh, And so... um uh, so we we cut to the story of this first collection of five characters, and there's this land inside this world of the Animoodles uh, called the Wild Jungle, and it's where Randy Orangutan, um, who's a clever orangutan who runs um, a smoothie stand called Surfy Sip, lives uh, <laughs> along with his friends Miguel Miguel Frog, who loves to play the ukulele and loves to hop across uh, lily pads, mm-hmm. uh, Hazel Sloth who practices yoga to keep stretchy and worry-free. So she's a yoga practitioner. She's got a little yoga treehouse. Wow, really keeping it trendy, aren't they? (laughs) And Brady Lion, who's a vegetarian lion, who um, actually grows his own fruits and vegetables and greens uh, on his own farm called Mellow Farm. So there's these four characters, right? Um, And they've got this rich life in the wild jungle. They've got all their personalities. They've got their role. They've got their place in the world, Um, but they don't know that anything else outside the wild jungle exists until one day. Iris the unicorn. uh (laughs) Iris unicorn is flying in the sky. They see this colorful, magical looking unicorn and she's got pink, green, blue, and 
purple and, and purple hooves <laughs> and 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 they see this beautiful colorful creature in the sky they've never seen before but the problem is she's tumbling out of the sky she's falling because mount moody the volcano erupts while she's flying in the air so it causes her to tumble into the wild jungle and all her parts her uh, six body parts each animal has six body parts her six body parts splay all over the wild jungle and so miguel frog rani orangutan brady lion and hazel sloth put their parts together to rescue iris unicorn and put her back together so because they needed to develop some sort of combined effort in a exactly, sense, combining exactly. of skills. Com- they're combining their skills. And so one of Iris Unicorn's parts, say it's her pink leg, um, is across the stream, across this river that's rushing. And so they say, oh, no, what do we do? OK, well, we're going to borrow Rainy Orangutan's clever head and Miguel Frog's hoppy legs to go and figure out what's the smartest, best way to hop across the stream and go and rescue Iris's leg. Wow. I absolutely <laughs> love the messages that, that are going along in, in this whole series. So in just a moment, right here on KDOW and Kim McNicholas on Innovation, we're going to hear the rest of your story. So stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on Innovation. Welcome back to the show. We have Marissa Louie. She is the co-creator of Animoodles, theanimoodles.com. Make sure as you're listening to the show, even go to the site. you got to see what we're talking about. It's a whole set of amazing teddy bears. It's the teddy bear reinvented for today and into the future. And I'm really excited about it. Before the break, Marissa, you were talking about and telling us the story behind the animals. Yes. And I love the fact that there is a story behind it. And I love the fact also that there is a lesson that goes along with it that helps kids to celebrate diversity mm-hmm. and to celebrate the strengths not only in themselves but also in others and to send the message that it really takes a village it does take a community to do things that it's not just all about you it's about everybody working together right yeah. and i love that so i want to hear more you brought in folks from disney and pixar to help design this new set of animals and you have one two three four five Six. Are there seven? Uh, there's there's five here today. One, two, three. <laughs> five I'm five characters. <laughs> they're all mixed up with each you, other. <laughs> if you see, one of the benefits of them is that they're magnetic. And they're magnetic because if you listen to the story before the break, Marissa was telling us that the story is, you know starts off with a volcano that erupts. And it created this magnetic field, right? right. And all of the animals are have this magnetic energy. And they come off into six different pieces that all detach, and they can be used um, to create different animals. Yes. Taking the best parts of each one. Exactly. And creating something new. So so she has, I think, two of them on here that have been, or three of them, that have been completely remodeled with all the different parts. I think we have... Um, the sloth with a frog leg and an orangutan foot. <laughs> no wonder I'm all confused. <laughs> it's so much fun. But they're adorable. Thank you. So Thank tell you. us how you're, you teamed up with the folks from Disney and Pixar mm-hmm. and created this amazing set. What was the thought process that led up to what came to fruition? Yeah, so... 
With the design of these, you know, I came from a background as a designer at places including Apple, and I had a point of view about what the Animoodles should look like. I wanted them to be very expressive and to be very cute and appealing uh, for children, especially. Um, And so I thought about, you know, who makes the cutest characters, right? Mm -hmm. And so I thought about Disney and Pixar being um, just my favorite animated show characters. And so I was able to work with a few former uh, artists and story writers from Disney and Pixar um, to create the Animoodles. How did you team up with them? How did you convince them that, you know, <laughs> don't go do something on your own. You need to team up with me because I'm brilliant. I have the next big idea. This is going to be it. Well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tell them that. I don't know. that. <laughs> you had to send off that energy or else, you know, you need to attract people somehow. Yeah. They got to believe in you. Yeah. Um, what I did is I, I put in a lot of work before I even started trying to convince them to help me out. Um, I, I remember your wall. You invited me over. I remember yeah. your your design wall right. that you had with all the different potentials. Yes. Um, so we went through all of these iterations. I hand-sewed myself um, a bunch of prototypes of Animoodles that didn't factor in character design, but just showed off the functionality of Mm. what Animoodles can do. And so I did as much as possible of um, putting that together. I did a lot of research on fabrics. And that's after that point is when when I started talking to these artists and said, can you help me make this look better? Can you help me design characters? Did you at least know how to sew beforehand? Or did you learn to sew as you were going? <laughs> I I knew how to sew since I was in second grade. Okay, well then good. You had at least a start to create those prototypes. Good to have the skill set. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not as good as our prototyper who actually um, uh, does sew the professional grade versions mm-hmm. of these. She uh, has been a seamstress for over 30 years working with Disney, NBC Universal, oh wow, uh, Jim Henson, um, uh, DreamWorks, lots, lots of the big companies, and so you really came in with the big guns. Well, it was, it was, uh, it was one step at a time to um, to convince all of these individuals to help me out. And I think if I didn't do my research uh, and I did a lot of uh, play testing with kids in the neighborhood, if I didn't do all of that the months of research and prototyping and making these first, even though I knew that they weren't exactly like I wanted them to be eventually, if I didn't do that, then they wouldn't have something concrete to look at. So bring us to the innovation table, Mm -hmm. those first meetings that you had with folks from artists from Disney and Pixar. Yeah. So um, so I was also experimenting with the magnets Mm -hmm. on different magnet strengths and different housing um, containers to keep the magnets inside of while, while they're inside of the plush. And so I brought... Right, people don't even realize what goes into it. I mean, even down to the magnets, the type of <laughs> magnets, the strength of magnets, the encasings for the magnets, yeah. the materials that you're going to use, not only for the entire body, but for the hair and how much hair and for, you know, the entire, you know, body itself and for the feet and the mouth and the eyes. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. a lot of decisions to make. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm bringing, you know, the prototypes. I'm showing them the raw magnets that are not encased in anything. I'm showing them uh, sketches that I made for potential characters. And I said, this is what I made. And I know that you can take this even further. And so 
that got them thinking like, wow, like this is a really innovative toy. And the people who came on board, you know, they really found it to be exciting. And a lot of our team members have kids themselves. And they said, this is the kind of toy I would want for my kids. So how did you balance your ideas leading up to that, those moments and even the first moments and beyond at the table with these other artists who are also creative types and yes. have their own ideas? How do you balance those with theirs? Because of course, everybody mm-hmm. wants a piece of the pie and wants to come in with their own ideas. Yeah. You know, where there's probably a lot of push and pull that happened. Can you describe a yeah. situation where there was a little bit of push and pull and how that played out? Yeah, for sure. So my background, you know, as a, a web and mobile product and interaction designer, you know, from Apple and Yahoo and, and places like that, I had a point of view about design process. Mm-hmm. Um But I also have a lot of respect for what animators, character designers, artists do at the big animation studios. Um, So we meet somewhere in between a process that I've developed um, from the digital world and the process that they've developed um, for the big movie screens. Um, And so one of the things that um, I wanted to do from the get-go is to design plush that are optimized to be cute plush rather than plush that are meant to be on the animated movie screen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where we're talking about um, characters that are a little softer um, on the edges than what you might see in the screens. Um, So with plush, you know, we really have to respect the form factor of the fabric because there's only certain... um, Uh, curves, certain angles, certain edges, certain uh, ratios um, that are possible with different fabrics. And so so we really wanted to um, uh, use what we knew about fabrics, combine it with this methodology of how people create characters for the animated movie screen. Um, And it's, 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 building all of that into making the ideal cute plush. So how that potentially created some friction at the table, that's next right here on Kim McNicholas on Innovation. So stay with us. Now back to Kim McNicholas on Innovation. Welcome back to the show. We have Marissa Louie. She's a serial entrepreneur here in Silicon Valley and doing the anti-tech for the first (laughs) time, I think, in her entire entrepreneurial career. She was an advertising entrepreneur, which is how I met her. We'll get into that story later uh, because I find her journey very fascinating. She also was a designer at Apple as well as Yahoo. And now she is reinventing the teddy bear. And before the break, we were talking about what it was like for her to come to the innovation table with her own ideas, months, maybe even years even some of her ideas stemming back to when she was a kid as to the ultimate characteristics of a teddy bear. And combining that with the prowess from artists that worked for Disney and Pixar and even um, the Muppets. Jim Henson. Jim Henson Productions. (laughs) And the friction that that could have created with all these creatives coming together with all their ideas – and that resulted, you said, in a new design process right. to maintain professionalism. Yeah. So um, there's not been plush quite like the Animoodles that we've ever seen be done. So we literally had to invent a design process mm-hmm. that we 
came up with uh, together as a team coming from all these different backgrounds. As you mentioned, you know, we came from plush prototyping. We came from character design for the big animation studios. Um, and then my background in tech design. Um, and, you know, that design process was very much um, optimized to produce the best toy possible. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, all throughout, we did a lot of playtesting with children across the country. So we playtested with over 100 kids and their parents in five major cities across the U.S. We flew around the U.S. from coast to coast and in between um, and iterated on the design at every step of the way. Right, because the one thing you can't argue with is what the kids say. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're unfiltered. And so <laughs> what we did is we would... We started out doing a lot of blind playtesting, meaning that we brought in our toys and other toys that were more obscure that the kids wouldn't have known about. And we cut Mm. off all the tags and it was a little nerve wracking going in because you don't know which kid, you know, which which toys the kids are going to choose as their favorite. And lo and behold, they just loved Animoodles the most, more than all these other kinds of stuffed animals that we brought to the table for them to test. And can you give us an idea of what types of other animals that, because you could have brought together some of the, you know, some of the ones from the dollar store or whatever, and, yeah. you know, along with yours. And of course yours is going to stand out. So what types of animals did you bring to the table and to compete against your own in which yours rose to the top? So, you know, there were ones with, um, there were old ones that had, the magnets showing um, where... um, Oh, I've seen those. Yeah, from the 80s, right? Um, That I found on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's on eBay. There were ones with, you know, plastic joints. We actually produced our own prototypes to test that had Velcro instead of magnets because Mm. we wanted to test, like, you know, what, what should be that connection mechanism. And the Animoodles with the magnets, they tested the best out of everything. Wow, that's that's pretty remarkable. And back to that design process, what were some of the rules it, that you guys came up with as part of that process, aside from playtesting with the kids? Yeah. That were really critical to the ultimate creation of what you're expecting to become, the ultimate new reinvention of the teddy bear. Yeah, so we went through a whole branding process that took a few months. We generated probably over 500 pages of of a brand PDF <laughs> where we went storylines and storylines, colors. Um, we wanted a color for uh, the Animoodles that was a signature color of the brand. So we have mm-hmm. a brand color that is like a Mandarin orange. Yeah, I was just looking. So you have the orangutan that seems orange, but everything kind of plays off it I th- a little bit. I Every think. Animoodle has a little bit of that brand yes. orange on it. So Hazel Sloth has a little orange mm-hmm. on her flower on her head. Iris Unicorn has orange on her nose. Uh, Brady, as well as her ears. Yeah, and her ears. Brady Lion has orange on his ears. Miguel Frog has orange on his hands and feet. Um, yeah, so they all have a little bit of that orange. How did you come to that decision, though, that that was going <laughs> to be one of the branding? I think p- people find that really interesting. And I notice it also in your your logo, the Animoodles logo, that yeah. you have quite a bit of orange in there. Uh-huh. And it's because we wanted something that we could own that wasn't oversaturated. So mm. there are a lot of reds and blues and greens. And, and pinks. And pinks. Um, 
and all sorts of colors and toys, but orange was really our opportunity to own that wasn't really used by a major toy brand. But then how many different shades of orange did you have to go through? I mean, you probably <laughs> you had probably had even ones that were really close that you're sitting there going, um, gosh, ugh, which one, which one? Yeah, we actually tested different oranges by putting them inside of prototypes. And okay. some were too dark or too red, some were too yellowish or too light. So we, we ended up something in between that is a, a little warmer of an orange. And what really inspired you with, with this collection to actually decide that this was the type of thing that you wanted to create a certain movie or show or was it just your traditional teddy bear that just inspired you hey we need to do something different yeah so I grew up with uh, I was born with uh, my gray teddy bear wuggy by my side mm-hmm. in, the, in the hospital literally when I was born but she's a traditional uh, teddy bear and she can only sit right she can't even crawl on all fours and so I looked at Wuggy and I looked at all the stuffed animals I had, the hundreds I collected over the years, and I just didn't see something that could hold the attention of the other children in my uh, in my in classes, circle. my mm-hmm. classmates, because I'd go to their houses and I would see um, uh, right from when they were very young to when they were getting um, uh, onto the years in elementary school in fifth, sixth grade, is that they would all grow up out of their stuffed animals and that they used to have these stuffed animals like in their bed. You know, these stuffed animals were their first friends, but then they would grow out of them. They right, because would they couldn't them. engage, right? You couldn't get them. You, you know, when people have their stuffed animals, they get they get left behind at yeah. some point versus these allow you to engage. And what inspired you to create that engaging animal? Yeah, exactly. So I wanted a stuffed animal that had more play value, that had more longevity than your regular stuffed animal. So with Animoodles, you know, kids love to take them to bed during story time and they'll fidget with the arms and move mm. them around while their parent is telling them a bedtime story. Uh, they'll bring them in the car with them while they're traveling. Um, uh, some kids have said, oh, well, these are perfect for traveling because I could take the pieces apart and I can fit more animoodles in my luggage than regular stuffed animals. But it's something that you would see. I <laughs> so, mean, you know, with story with animals, you're actually bringing animals to life like they do in Toy Story. Yeah, and I loved Toy Story, my favorite movie. Um, and I resonated with that movie with with Andy, the character, because he had all these toys that he absolutely loved and these toys that had a life of their own. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I grew up with uh, so many stuffed animals that acted as a storytelling mechanism for me. We would give them names and personalities. We would play out different scenarios all of the stuffed animals had a role in their stuffed animal society. And I wanted to share that joy of storytelling and mm-hmm. attachment to these stuffed animals with more children when, since when I, when I was very young. And so Animoodles are my answer to that in that they naturally challenge children to say, well, okay, here's Randy Orangutan. He has six parts, but what more can you do with it? Mm -hmm. So naturally, kids are going to say, well, we're going to move around his parts. Um, We're going to take off his arm and switch it with Miguel Frogs. And we're going to take off his leg and switch it with Iris Unicorns. And so it naturally gets children to make new creations. I could almost see you creating a curriculum around these animals and selling them at a discount to preschools or kindergartens or some sort of grade school um, or even daycare program and have help them to implement them. 
there yeah. giving each of the kids one of these animals and saying, okay, well, if you're looking to, to go across a stream, as in your story you were telling earlier, what parts from which animals would you attach together to make that happen? Exactly. Little so, puzzles like that would be really fun. Yeah. So it's problem solving skills too, mm-hmm. in that it's like, well, what is a frog's legs good for? They're good for hopping. Uh, and so it teaches children very much about the uh, physical elements of what different animal body parts can do. Right. <laughs> and where do you plan to go with this? I mean, obviously, I mean, on the back of the boxes, you have a little bit of the story, but I just absolutely love your story. And I would be wanting, if I was going to pick these up for my goddaughters, I would want that some videos. I would want to pair it with YouTube. I would want some sort of a, a link to go to. Yeah. Um, you know, a website where they can go and I could create challenges, you know, for my kid that maybe I can do with my kid. Even an app for that. Yeah. I mean, there's an app yeah, for everything. So, yeah. Part of why, you know, we're on Kickstarter right now is we do want to fundraise and um, uh, build out more of that ability to tell the stories in mm-hmm. a more animated format in a more of a storybook format. Um, and so as we're raising on kickstarter.com, you can search for Animoodles um, on kickstarter.com to find these, is um, you know the more we raise, the more we'll be able to not just build out the stories, but also introduce future collections right. of Animoodles of different characters. Mm-hmm. Well, coming up right here on Kim McNicholas on innovation, we have to find out, even with such a great story behind the Animoodles, marketing, that's going to be a bear, pun intended. Stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. We have Marissa Louie. She's a co-creator of a company that's reinventing the teddy bear for today and future generations. Really, what's now and what's next? It is Marissa Louie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Before the break, um, I we were we were just talking about really your thought process behind the innovation and, and such, and we were leading into the fact that you're on Kickstarter, a crowdfunding campaign, but. Kickstarter and other crowdfunding funding platforms have really gotten a little bit of bad publicity because there have been so many companies that mm-hmm. have, in a sense, halted on their um, promise. Yeah. And people realize there is a risk when it comes to crowdfunding campaigns. Yes, you can have a piece of the pie when you and, and become one of the first adopters of these companies and help them come to fruition and give them the funding they need. Um, but I think uh, quite a few companies that I've seen have actually um, they haven't managed the money very well mm. and they oversold. So what confidence can you give to people um, based on what you've learned from others that have failed in crowdfunding campaigns and have not fulfilled their promises? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, luckily we have um, uh, now just over a week into the campaign, we are at over 250% funding. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? <laughs> so you're already, you've blown past so it. So we've, 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 we've definitely blown past you know just that base funding goal we we hope to raise a lot more than that mm-hmm. um and based on how people have been reacting i think 
you know, that is possible. Um, but we chose Kickstarter because we love the community aspect and building up that fan base of the first mm-hmm. people who support us and back us and we could develop that relationship with them. But on your question of, you know, manufacturing and and financing is, you know, our CFO, Betty Caton, was the first CFO of Leapfrog. Oh, wow. Major, wow. major toy company. Yeah. You and really so, brought in the big guns. <laughs> so she knows what she's doing. She's got all this experience in the toy industry and all also on Kickstarter because she has been the CFO for other Kickstarter campaigns mm. that have raised millions of dollars, including Nebbia Shower. Um, and so, and then on the manufacturing side, we've got two manufacturing reps, one here in the U.S. and one in China, Hong Kong. Um, and both of them come from the toy industry. Uh, the These two gentlemen have a combined total of 50 years plus of experience in toys and making millions of dollars of plush toys and toys for leapfrog. And so, you know, we're talking about really industry experts who have done this before in much larger quantities. Um, So we've worked with them. And also my husband, Corey, and I have visited our factories in China over four times over the last year. Uh, before we even launched our Kickstarter campaign to um, iterate with the factories on mm. our prototypes, to source all the materials, to make sure that nothing was going to happen in terms of manufacturing problems and that to make sure that we would ship our product um, on time, if not early. And one of the questions I think that would automatically come to many people's minds, especially entrepreneurs, is how do you protect your model from you know, folks in China from from doing the same. I mean, I know so many companies where (laughs) they've actually created imitations, like copies of what they've done. How do you prevent that from happening? Um, Two two ways. And and so we've filed um, uh, patents, trademarks, copyrights um, in China. Oh, interesting. Okay. uh, For the magnet mechanism design, as well Mm. as every single character that we have, it's protected the look of each character. Uh, We even describe the personality a little bit. Um, of the character, uh, we trademarked Animoodles, the name, right? So, um, you know, if, if, if someone tries to produce these, you know, we'll work with um, the local governments to uh, crack down on that. And luckily, actually, China has worked very closely with toy companies because they realize this is a the problem. They'll right. shut down entire factories oh, wow. that are breaking the law. Oh, you're really? Yes. So there have been advances, yes. you know, in, in terms of making sure and protecting um, U.S. interests mm-hmm. in China. For sure. Wow, that's pretty amazing. But you still have the issue of marketing. And I, I do agree that creating a fan base early through a crowdfunding campaign is a great way to at least get a good jump start, bringing on people from LeapFrog, other successful businesses, bringing on people from Pixar and Disney, definitely um, an asset for you, but you still have the grander marketing problem. Yeah. How do you get into the toy stores? How do you get to the front of the line? How do you get to those stands? How do you get in front of the kids? And also, I mean, toy stores are kind of going by the wayside. I mean, FAO, FAO Schwartz went out of business. Toys mm-hmm. R Us is struggling. Mm-hmm. Then you go online and then there's a whole sea of 
competitive toys. Yeah. How do you stand out? So we are on Kickstarter and able to pass along savings of not having to sell in retail stores yet um, to customers right now. Um, so, you know, you can back the campaign for uh, as little as uh, two Animoodles for $44. So mm-hmm. it's a great deal. It's a seven and a half inch plush. Um, but on the marketing side is... You know, I come from an e-commerce background. I was a designer at One Elo. When I was a designer at Apple, mm. I worked on um, uh, designs uh, for software that was in the Apple retail stores, right? And so I understand that physical retail model and e-commerce very well. And so, you know, we want to sell primarily on Amazon.com and on our website, mm-hmm. and we may partner with a select few physical retail uh, toy stores, uh, boutique stores that uh, are more influential and that kids really love. And so we're going away from that model of going to Toys R Us and going to the big box toy stores. Um, uh, bec- well, I mean, A, they're, they're financially struggling. A lot of them are financially struggling. And B, we'll be able to control the creative um, uh, look of the Animoodles as well as the character um, uh, the character personalities, and just the quality of the product. So we'll have full creative control um, by owning um, our brand and controlling where they're distributed. And also, I could see when you decide to develop that animated series, even online with the technology that's available today, you can click through on that video to buy whatever Animoodle is being featured in that moment. Thank you so much, Marissa Louie. She is the co-creator and CEO of Animoodles. For more information, go to theanimoodles.com. That's theanimoodles.com. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and thank you, Marissa. Have a great day, everyone. This has been Kim McNicholas on Innovation. You can connect with Kim on Facebook, forward slash Kim McNicholas, or email kimmcnicholas at gmail.com. Be sure to join us again next Friday at 1 for Kim McNicholas on Innovation.